What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy and Sports Podcast. This is your host, Vivek Iyer, and today I'm privileged to be joined by Jim Day. He's the co-director and senior fantasy analyst for FFChamps.com, co-host of the WTF Fantasy Football Podcast, and co-host of the new FF Champs After Dark Podcast. He wears a lot of hats, certainly a lot more than me. What's up, Jim? How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Mayor. Hi, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, thanks for that nice introduction. And yeah, it's going to get really busy here over the next few weeks. Also going to be starting up the uh, the fantasy football frenzy again on the FNTSY network. So next few weeks are really going to start to get busy. Let's get into some news uh, real quick first. because So first we have like the biggest news, which was uh, Zeke was detained but not arrested. And that's like something to... Uh, be made certain of at a concert uh, for an altercation with the event security member. And so what are your thoughts on potential dis- discipline for him? And like, uh, if this affects any bit of his fancy value? I'll see, that's the thing. Once it comes to discipline in the, in the NFL, they've lost all credibility. Um, they do whatever they want. Every time is completely different. No matter what's written down on paperwork, they come up with something completely on their own each and every time, you know, Jerry Jones is saying, oh, he doesn't think the NFL will discipline Zeke. Uh, And, you know, that may very well be, but I I just don't know if you can bet on that. There's very good possibility that he could see a one or two game suspension on this. And if it's only a one or two game suspension, then I'm not really going to push him down my rankings very far at all. I think this, uh, what we really saw his potential last year when they finally started to get him involved in the passing game. If we see that trend continuing, and I think it will, I mean, I don't see any reason why not. He was one of the most productive pass catching backs in the league last year, and that was with a late start to the season uh, for that particular aspect of his game. Yeah, and I, I remember, I think he received like 77 receptions. Yeah, he, he caught a lot more passes than he had in the past, like pretty much doubled his pass catching production. And that was one of the knock on, knocks on him like prior to uh, last season that he was a workhorse, but he wasn't a pass catching running back. But just adding that to his repertoire made him like one of the best, if not the best running back or player in all fantasy football. So for me, like just looking at Zeke, I I see him as like for redraft, I don't think it really moves him anywhere barring any suspension. If it's one to two games, I still have him in the first round and stuff. But um, yeah, it it may slide him below like the elite tier of running backs like Saquon, CMC, uh, Kamara, uh, Gordon, like maybe below those guys. But I don't see him like falling very far just because of his production. But the other thing is, like, how do you think about Dynasty? Because uh, Zeke has shown that he has, like, he he has a past history of getting into such incidents that result in suspensions and, like, law trouble. So do you think that any of these incidents are going to continue following him uh, as in a Dynasty perspective? Or do you think he's just good? Well, he is just good. But, you know, there's always a chance. I- there's no doubt about it. Like you said, this isn't the first time he's had any kind of an incident like this. Um, you know, he's had suspension in the past. So it, those things tend to add up eventually over time with the NFL and could lead to a big problem. But, you know, you can't really go in worrying about that. I mean, the, no matter what happens here, the most I could see them giving him is a two-game suspension. Uh, you know, it, it's not like he pushed the guy with his hands or, you know, laid his hands on the guy. He just – basically chest bumped the guy and the guy fell over. Uh, 
Um, you know, I, I can't see them doing much more than that. But again, we also never know what, what they're going to do. And that's the thing that bothers me the most with uh, Goodell is just he, he everything's totally different. You know, come up with a set standard, use that standard, stick to it. They just don't do that. Yeah, the inconsistencies in Goodell's punishments are they're 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 terrible for the league image. Like you have certain like horrendous crimes like domestic violence and such not getting like as much suspension as they should be. But then you have like like lesser incidents that get like the same amount of suspension. This incident, it it has to be pointed out that it like you said, it wasn't like a big push. It wasn't anything like that. It was like he barely laid his hands on the guy and the metal fence just happened to be behind uh, the event security member. So I, I agree that I don't think it's really going to affect him that far in Dynasty. And I, I think it's going to be a one-game suspension. I I think two is in the realm of possibility, but I, I just believe it'll be one game or no games. So I think Zeke should be fine. Most people forget that, you know, since he's been in the league for a couple of years already, but he's still only 23 years old. I know. Like, p- people think that once you're in the league, like, especially since the running back shelf life is so low when you're getting close to that second contract people already start thinking about age and dynasty which it it shouldn't be like that like they do have a short shelf life but people over exaggerate age for them a lot so how about we talk a bit about tyler boyd it's not really any major news he's eyeing an extension um what do you think about his long-term prospects like is it good for him to stay in Cincinnati, or would you prefer that he went somewhere else? Oh, he's got a good thing there. The, the problem is, you know, the the ambiguity of what's going to happen at quarterback. Are they going to stay with Dalton? Are they going to go to the kid? You know, it's just hard to tell. Dalton's been an okay quarterback for them and, you know, done a decent job for them, but he just has never gotten them over that hump. And I think they're really starting to, to worry about that a little bit. So this may end up being – the last year for Dalton. But, you know, again, uh, with Boyd, I, I like Boyd. We finally saw him break out last year. Uh, I had, what, I think a thousand, tw- wait, sorry, 1,028 yards, uh, seven touchdowns, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, had a good year, caught over 75 balls. You know, just a, a good year for him. I expect that trend to continue. Again, another you know kid who's only 24 has plenty of time to continue to learn the game. Uh, it'll de- it's definitely better with A.J. Green back in, in-house, and it looks like A.J. Green should be ready for the start of the season. So that plays out well. But uh, the, the the quarterback situation is a little tricky, but I like the kid's talent. Uh, he runs good routes. He has good hands, has a good catch radius. Uh, so I, I think he has a really good future ahead of him. And he's definitely somebody I'm, I'm targeting a lot in dynasty startup drafts. Yeah, it's interesting how you talked about how AJ Green, uh, just to be clear, you said AJ Green like benefit or Tyler Boyd is benefited by AJ Green's return, correct? Oh, absolutely. Anytime you have somebody as talented as AJ Green on the other side, it always draws, you know, a lot more defensive attention that way. Um, and, you know, considering that they have a very good running back in Joe Mixon as well, you know, defenses can't just stack up against Boyd. And, and he really took advantage of that last year. I think that trend continues this year. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way. It's just I want this to kind of lead into Juju Smith-Schuster um, because people have been 
kind of split on him. A lot of people have him as a top five wide receiver. Some people have him like as a fringe uh, wide receiver one because they believe that uh, Juju can't handle like number one coverage. Uh, and AB was kind of lessening the load from that perspective. So how do you think Juju will do in the Steelers offense this year and like compared to last year? Well, see, that, that's the thing. We we don't know if he can handle that true number one, if he can handle those double teams, if he can handle, you know, getting off the line with two guys opposite him. This, this is really going to be the first for him. Um, you know, excellent second season last year. I mean, no doubt about it, 1,400 what, 26 yards, seven touchdowns, excellent year. hundred, I think 166 targets, um, just monster numbers, no doubt. Uh, but when you have somebody like Brown on the other side, again, it, it tends to free him up, uh, Juju up for a lot more one-on-ones. Let's see if that's the case this year. He may very well see a lot more over-under coverage, uh, a lot more two-on-one coverage. So it's going to really need – he's really going to need to step up even further to be a true number one. And it's, you know, it's only going to help him if one of these other wide receivers steps up and really becomes a true number two. Um, I expect Dante Moncrief to take that role. A lot of people are hoping it's James Washington, but they had a lot of issues with Washington last year. And I'm concerned because the one big knock seemed to be on him that he was having a hard time learning the playbook. And, uh, you know, I don't see that lessening a ton in year two, maybe by year three. But I think Dante Moncrief is further along as a receiver. I, I expect him to take that number two. And if he steps up and has a decent season, then that will help Juju. But if they their number two never gets fully set, then I think Juju is going to have a rougher season than people are thinking. And by that extension, what do you think about uh, Big Ben? Since Big Ben finished as a top five quarterback last year, but – Losing AB is like he's one of the best receivers in the league, if not the best. So that's definitely got to negatively affect uh, Big Ben, but how much so? Well, that's it. We're, you know, we're trying to figure that out. What what's going to be the issue on this whole offense? But the, the bigger thing is this offense has always survived with changes. Um, it, you know, this system works. This offensive system works at least to you know. As far as fantasy is concerned, let's put it that way, since that's really what we're talking about. Um, their their system has always produced good quality fantasy numbers. I don't expect that to change a lot with Ben this year. As a matter of fact, he may end up having to throw more uh, just because he doesn't have Brown, which may lead him to even come up with bigger numbers just because he has to increase the percentage of his attempts. Yeah, and there's also some more news about the Steelers. Um, uh, in OTAs, it seems like the Steelers have been employing primarily two running back packages, and James Conner came out and said that uh, they'd be using two uh, more two running back packages in the season, and Jalen Samuels kind of corroborated that statement as well. So how do you think that affects um, both of the guys, uh, Conner and Samuels? Actually, you know, it, it is. It, it's there's two twofold here, what they're trying to do by using the two backs and being able to spread them and, and run them out of the eye, you know, defenses really have to come closer to that box, which they're hoping will free up Juju to more one-on-one coverage, you know, get him a, a little more open space in some zones, things like that. So again, they're, they're using that two back system so that they can try and create holes or gaps 
in the defensive backfield so that these wide receivers can find those open spots. And it's interesting to see how the NFL is kind of moving away from the workhorse system, unless you have a elite running back, like the Zeke's, the Saquon's and like the CMC's of the world. But outside of that, you're seeing a lot more uh, running back by committee or at least like uh, timeshare with like two people at least. Uh, throughout the league, a prime example being the Eagles offense. And yeah, they're, they're moving to a committee approach. And I think this isn't going to go, it isn't going to benefit Connor certainly, but I, I could see people over-exaggerating if it continues into the offseason and then he becoming a value. Already he's uh, at times like, I, I like James Connor a lot. I think that Mike Tomlin has a history of using one running back. Even last year with Love Bell out, he still used one running back. And even if Jalen Samuels uh, gets some pass-catching third-down work, I think that James Conner still has that ability. And his story with this cancer um, like comeback, I feel like that just he's like a catalyst for the team, and they'll want to leave him out there as much as possible. No, he's going to be on the field quite often, and he's going to be highly involved. He's still the number one running back. Again, this isn't about trying to take the ball out of Connor's hands. This is about trying to use these two running backs to spread open the defense. Um, and, you know, being able to move these guys around and have, you know, all of a sudden linebackers having to respond to the movement of the running back, things like that pre-snap, it gives them a better look of where they can move Juju or maybe Moncrief or Washington around in the secondary and make plays that way. Connor is still going to be the number one ball carry. He's still going to be the one, you know, with 15 to 20 touches a game. That's not going to change just because they're using the two-back system, you know, on again, off again. At that point, they're really just trying to manipulate the defense. Yeah, of course. it's It it makes sense based off an NFL perspective, and it, it probably won't affect – Connor a whole lot it, it may take away a few touches and some passing down work from him but it, it should be good for that whole offense which in turn will end up helping them and the whole offense in general so let's move on to our last piece of news and extension of the Steelers will go to Lev Bell and uh, Adam Gaze for like the listeners who don't know so basically there are reports that he said that Le'Veon Bell was overpaid then he came back saying Le'Veon Bell was not overpaid. Then they said they wouldn't trade him. So Adam Gase, like, he has a history of if he doesn't like you, he won't play you with Kenyon Drake. Like, it, when Frank Gore is the number one running back over Kenyon Drake, uh, there's there's something off in that scenario. Not saying that Gore wasn't a great player, but now he's fairly old and Kenyon Drake is very talented. So... Do you think this, like, how do you think this plays out with Le'Veon Bell? Do you think he'll still be, like, he, he'll be as he was before these comments? Well, I, I'm not sure he's going to be at the same level he was with the Steelers. Uh, let's face it, there's a lot of reasons why the Steelers' offensive line is better. Uh, Jets' offensive line isn't as good. The, the problem with Bell is that he's a very patient runner. Um, and so he's always, you know, waiting, waiting, trying to find that hole problem with a bad O-line is you don't really have that time. Uh, those gaps break down much faster. Um, you know, the, the holes that might have looked open originally close much faster when the offensive line isn't strong enough to push into the next level. 
So those are the things that are going to hold him back a little bit more than that. He's going to have to learn this year with the Jets that he can't be that patient. He's got to hit a hole as soon as it opens and just jet right through it. If he tries to dance around that offensive line, his numbers are going to come down. Yeah, he he was always known for that, like a graceful dancer behind the line. But with that terrible line, he's just going to get pummeled uh, before he can do his dancing. So, yeah, I think Love Bell, he has to make a systematic change to how he plays. And that's pretty di- difficult at like a later age when you've been used to doing this and you've been taught to do this for all your life, like the dancing style. But if he can evolve, then I feel like his upside's capped because of the offense. Like, Sam, let's face it, Sam Darnold, like, he did really well in the last five weeks of last season, impressed a lot of people, but he isn't Big Ben and uh the, like their wide receivers aren't the antonio brown and juju smith schuster that uh levion bell had like in the steelers offense so there's definitely a capped upside there but i still think he's going to be the workhorse getting that uh like 20 25 30 touches probably 20 25 touches a game and that will still probably make him rb1 i just don't know how like Will it be a late-end RB1 or will it be a mid-end RB1 where he's being drafted right now? Well, you know, I've seen him go a lot in the, the 8 to 10, 8 to 11 range in the first round, and that's about probably right. Um, that's where I would feel comfortable with him. Like, you're, you're right. I mean, he's still – he's not really going to have to fight for touches. Um, so that that's going to be in his favor. Um, this offense – with Darnold, I think is going to be improved. As you said, he improved at the end of the season after getting hurt, sitting on the bench for a couple of games and whatever, something seemed to come alive in him because when he came back, he looked like a a more knowledgeable, more at ease quarterback. So I I think that trend's going to continue. They do need somebody to step up as a a number two wide receiver opposite Robbie Anderson. Um, So, you know, hopefully that happens for them, but you know, again, Bell is too good a running back to to really just fall off the map. So I'm not really worried so much about that. If I can get him, you know, mid to late first round, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think Lev Bell will be fine. It's just he he will not be that like the number one, number two running back in years past as like he was on the Steelers. So before we move on to our main topic, polarizing players. Let's just do a quick thing for a friend of a show. So I hope you're enjoying this podcast. There's a free new app called PodCoin, which pays to listen to podcasts. So it's basically like the sweat coin of podcasting. So how it works is you listen to podcasts and then you can earn PodCoin, which is like a virtual currency while you listen. And then you can turn that into like Amazon, Starbucks gift cards or donate to charity. So if you're interested, download the app on either Apple or Google, iPhone, Android, and user code fancy sports. That's fancy sports, and you'll get 300 PodCoin for signing up. That's actually a decent amount of PodCoin, and you could listen to all your favorite shows, and hopefully this is one of them, on PodCoin and sign up with that code. And yeah, it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. So now, Jim, let's get into the main topic, polarizing players. So we'll start from the top of the ECR rankings. Uh, these are on fancypros.com, uh, where I got from. So let's start at the top with Todd Gurley. 
So what are your thoughts? Because he does have a degenerative knee with arthritis and he has some injury concerns. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we saw the fall off at the end of the season that knee is definitely an issue, but I don't really think it's going to be as big an issue as people are making it out to be. Um, you know, they're between the, the fact that they brought in Henderson in the draft and, you know, the way that Todd Gurley was at the very end of the season and into the playoffs, everybody's making a bigger deal of it than it is. Sure, they're going to monitor his touches going forward. So that's not the greatest sign. But the, the fact that he's in this offense, the fact that he gets so many goal line touches, it's not really going to change all that much. Um, he's going to get those goal, same goal line touches. He's still going to get, you know, at least 15 to 18 touches a game. He just may not be seeing those, you know, 25 touch games that we, he's seen in the past. Um, I, I still like him. I still actually have him in my top five this year. So, um, you know, I think people are dropping him a little too far for for what he does. I, I have him in my current projections at about 1,900 total yards and 16 total touchdowns. For me, I'm not as bullish. I have uh, him just outside my top five at, I believe, uh, number seven. So certainly not that far off, but just something I saw on Twitter, uh, it was a poll, and they were saying who has the most value, and the options were Marlon Mack, um, Todd Gurley, Devonta Freeman, and Darius Geis. So I think we could easily rule out Geis and um, Freeman, but it was incredible because oh, over, wait, wait, like, wait, 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 slow that roll a little bit. Why, why are we just writing off Geis? Uh, personally, like... If we're, if we're talking about this season, um, like I, I don't think that he's going to be great. I have him outside of my top 15. I think he's like around 23 or something for me. I, I'm not a huge Darius guy supporter because, one, I don't like the offense. Two, I think that them drafting Bryce Love, while certainly not for like this year, I think that adds a bit of concern and with his slow recovery. And you also have Adrian Peterson. You have – um chris thompson who i mean i don't think chris thompson's gonna contribute much especially since guys has some pass catching built in but i think that just if you look at darius guys like he has a history of injury not on a great offense and i don't think he's gonna start off the year as a workhorse back i think he'll shift to that like later in the season uh so yeah i i just don't like darius guys for this season and i think that even for Dynasty, I like the other two guys in the pool who are Marlon Mack and Todd Gurley far better. Oh, you're talking about a couple of guys that also have injury histories. Yeah, that, that that's certainly true. But I feel like both are on better offenses. I think that uh, Gurley is more talented. I think that Mack is also more talented, in fact. And they I, have I don't think better I, quarterbacks. I like, okay, I like Mac. Don't get me wrong, I do. And that offensive line in Indy has made such a huge turnaround, one of the best in the league right now. So I like that, uh, no doubt about it. He he played so much better, especially when their center was healthy last year. Um, he seems to be fully ready to go this year, so that should be good for them. But you know, when you look at at what Peterson was able to do last year for Washington, with you know what second, third, what fourth. Uh, ranked quarterbacks on the team. Uh, most of the wide receivers hurt almost all year. Most of the offensive line hurt all year. And yet Adrian Peterson at, what, 35 years old, is still able to put up 1,000 yards. 
So let, let push into 2019. Now I get you're hesitant about the slow start that guys could have, and it's very possible. All we kept hearing was that he kept here having setbacks, setbacks, setbacks. Finally, last week they came out and said, "Well, we expect him to be ready for training camp. Should be good to go by the beginning of the year." And I do agree with your asset. You know, you're saying that they're going to probably slow slow him down to begin with, and you know, if he holds up, then they start pushing him more as the season goes on. Totally agree. Um, I just think people are right are still writing him off a little too early. Um, uh, you know, I just more so, I guess, really in Dynasty than I will say this year. This year, I I, I have him in the twenties myself, so I agree with you on that. I just think for Dynasty, I think this kid is good. If he can get on the field, if he can stay healthy, he has the tools to be in every down back in this league. And to be a very productive, explosive every down back in this league. So I'm really actually looking forward to seeing what he can do when he comes back. Um, you know, and hopefully he can stay healthy and stay on the field. But if he can, I, I think he's going to be pretty productive. I agree with the fact that, like, he does have that every down skill set. I just think that um, Gurley has that same skill set on a better offense with a better quarterback. And I see them as like a team that could be like, like I I, I just think Todd Gurley has a ton more upside as well. Like well, I, I'm Mack, not argue, I'm not gonna argue that. Out of that poll you mentioned, Gurley would be my easy choice. Yeah, so I was actually gonna get to that. I I chose Gurley <laughs> right right off the bat, and like it was it was instantaneous for me because I love Marlon Mack. Like I have him as my number eleven running back this year. And that's a lot higher than like uh, expert consensus. So I love Marlon Mack, but uh, for me, it was just girly instantaneously. But then if you looked at the poll, like over 50% of people voted for Marlon Mack and you had like 30% for girly. And I saw that as absolutely insane. So I think people are just writing him off. Uh, for, and that was a, it, it was a dynasty poll, but I also think that like, like regardless of dynasty or of redraft, I think girly is the best one of the group. So I don't know what Twitter's I think, doing. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they play in dynasty leagues is that they look too far into the future. Um, you know, they're thinking four or five years from now, and and that's just the wrong way to look at it. For me, when I look at dynasty leagues, I'm looking at this from this year through three years out. That's all. Yep, can same can that player give me three years? If that player can give me three years, then I'm I'm good with it. If I don't think I can get three years out of that player, then I'm really not interested in a dynasty. But as long as I think that player can give me three years, then I don't have any problem with what happens after that. That gives me plenty of time to make moves before that point comes. Yep, certainly. Like for me, I I have the same perception. I see people. Uh, like trading all their great players, saying they're in a rebuild for Debbie picks or something like that, which I just find to be insane. Like there was a trade that I saw last time, which is like Edelman for like a, a third round Debbie pick, and I I was like, I and this wasn't a third round either. Debbie pick. Debbie pick. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I, I take insane. that every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely insane. It wasn't even like a startup Debbie. It was like just. Uh, the next season, Debbie. So, I mean, I, I don't know what people are doing. There's obviously always, like, the people who are new to fantasy football who always make those trades. But, like, 
like that poll it was there were some pretty notable figures who voted in that poll so I, i'm very confused as to why everyone like seemingly just doesn't like Todd Gurley. like even though the rams traded up into the third round to select uh daryl henderson and match uh malcolm brown's offer sheet like i don't see him being like the 25 30 touch guy he was last season but 20 touches in that offense as a red zone threat and your name's Todd Gurley, so you're super talented like I think this guy can, he he's definitely gonna overplay like what he's been uh, like talking about as right now, like worse than Marlon Mack. I I don't even know. I'm with you. I, I I again, I have him in my top five. I think people are definitely overreacting. So how about we move on to Nick Chubb? He's ECR seventeen, and last year he was electric with uh, week seven onwards when he was a starter. He had eight TDs with like numerous explosive plays, like 92-yard runs. So what do you think about um, their signing of Kareem Hunt? How do you think that affects Chubb's redraft and dynasty value? I don't think it hurts his dynasty value at all. Um, uh, Chubb is their guy. They made that clear last year when they traded Carlos Hyde, who was doing a decent job. But Chubb was just that explosive player that they really wanted. Um, Good young kid, you know, not really any history of off-field behavior. Um, and you know, he's only 23. So they, they love what they have in him. That's not really going to happen. What they did though, was they went out and got really, really good depth for a cheap price. Um, you know, he was a bargain basement price because of all the issues last year. And that, you know, made us made sense for them. Um, you know, especially in this league with running backs getting hurt left and right, all it takes is one play, one broken leg. And, all of a sudden, they're, they're scrambling to find a running back. Well, now for the second half of the year, at least this year, they're covered. Um, if they find that they really don't need that, then it gives them, you know, options going forward. Maybe they try and move him or, you know, try and get something out of him uh, as it goes on. Maybe they sign him to a, a longer-term contract. It, it just gives them a lot of options where they didn't have to lay down a lot of money to get a very talented player. And I think people are like, obviously, what Kareem hunted was inexcusable. I mean, like, just outside of fantasy and all that, what he did was absolutely inexcusable. But if we if we like try to look at it from a fantasy perspective, like Kareem Hunt was one of the best running backs in the NFL last year, and signing with the Browns in that offense, like, it, he they got him for a bargain price, as you said. And that just gives them options on what to do. So what do you think about Duke Johnson? Like, do you think he'll be traded? Or, like, um, if he isn't traded, then how far do you think he slides in Dynasty? I, I, I think he slides forever in Dynasty if he's not traded. Um, let, let's face it, they didn't use him last year when they had a, a better opportunity. Uh, there's a very good chance they, you know, they run him out as a, a you know, secondary back this year right up until the trade deadline and then move him uh, knowing that they'll have Kareem Hunt in a few weeks later. So, you know, at, as far as I can tell, that's probably the best bet for them uh, because Duke Johnson is another very talented receiving back. We've seen that, uh, you know, it was, it was only a couple of years ago where he was a, you know, a top 12 back because of his receiving skills alone. So we know he, he has that. There's plenty going to be plenty of teams out there that want the talent that he has so they may be able to, you know, get a decent number for him. 
Yeah, so also another thing is like, what do you expect the backfield to look like post week eight? So I've heard a lot of Ingram Kamara with Chubb being like a better version of Ingram, but do you think it's going to be like that? Or do you think they're going to ride Chubb and just use Hunt as like a change of pace or uh, just like a sub and back? I don't think they'll, they'll, yeah. I, I mean, he will be a sub and back. He's not going to be the starter. He's not going to be the bell cow. That's going to be Chubb, but they are going to, you know, decrease Chubb's touches to keep him viable in this league for a longer period of time. You know, again, they're not worried about us fantasy owners. They're worried about keeping Chubb on the field for as long as they can because they think they got a home run hitter in an offense that is now filled with home run hitters. So they're going to want to keep him around as long as they can and keep him healthy. And, you know, the one of the big ways to do that is to, you know, get him off the field every once in a while, let somebody else take over from and when you got a, some somebody like Kareem Hunt, who is as talented uh, and can do all the things they need him to do, there's no reason not to give Chubb some some breathers every once in a while. Uh, wouldn't it be great if all NFL teams were run by fantasy football players? Then we'd have so much more clarity on everything. But yeah, I I, I see uh, Chubb as getting a few less touches, but I still see him as like a great fantasy option, and I don't think that. Hunt is going to take over as a lot of Twitter and a lot of like social media saying, and I don't get why they're saying that. I, I get his talent, but I think that Chubb is very talented as well. It just doesn't have that pass catching built in. So how about next we move which on is a to... Problem if it, it, which yeah, is a ahead. problem if you're playing, you know, PPR leagues, you, you want that pass catching ability. So, you know, a lot of people are really, really high on Chubb. I have him a little down further just for the fact that they just don't throw him the ball. Yeah, and, like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, if you look at Sonny Michel in Patriots' backfield, he gets very underutilized coming out of the same college as Chubb. But the but the thing about Michel is I feel like he has a lot better pass catching than what the Patriots are utilizing him for. I think with James White, they've kind of gone to, like, oh, James White's the only back we're really going to pass to. But in uh, college, like, Michel was he could pass catch and he was using his pass catching ability. So the issue here is with James White, you have one of the most electric pass catching backs in the league. He keeps showing that time and time again. I mean, he had an incredible year last year, um, you know, a little bit of fade off at the end as they really started to pound Michelle. Uh, but whenever they need that, that pass, catch, pass catching back, you know, White is somebody that Brady trusts. And that goes a long way in that system. Um, so, you know, it's not so much they don't think that Michelle can catch. It's just that why throw it to Michelle when we got James White here that knows this system, knows his quarterback, quarterback knows him, you know, a lot better and, you know, has a lot of trust in him. Why not use him? Um, I, 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 I get that, but I think that they're going to utilize Michelle a bit more in the pass catching game just because, uh, they don't want it to be as predictable of an offense when James White comes in. Probably going to be a pass, but when Michelle stays, it's probably going to be a rush. I think that they're going to try to diversify a bit more and have I'm, Michelle. I agree with that. I agree with that. I just don't think it's going to be a, a real enough to make a huge impact on Michelle's value. I think Michelle has a lot of value, but for me, most of that value is going to come from the fact that I think he's going to have you know 10-plus touchdowns this year. Yeah, so w with that, how do you think, uh, because I was really puzzled by their pick, how do you think that Damian Harris fits into that backfield? Well, that's the thing. I mean, 
the Harris can do pretty much everything Sony Michelle can do. Um, you know, he, he's he's a good runner. He's explosive. Uh, can hit inside. Can hit outside. Again, just not a great pass catcher, or hasn't really been utilized in that effect. Um, needs to work a little bit on his pass blocking, but you know, he's a good. Decent all-around back. It's going to be interesting. I, I think what it's going to end up doing is, once again, screwing fantasy owners because they have different guys that can do different things, and they're not going to be afraid to shuffle them around. They don't care, you know, what your fantasy do team does, especially Belichick. I see that, say this all the time. Belichick could care less about your fantasy team. Um, he's trying to win an NFL game. He's not worried about your fantasy game. Um, so he's going to do whatever he feels he has to do, and that usually includes using all of the different backs in some way, shape, or form. That's why it becomes very hard. I mean, look at it last year. Just before the playoffs, you know, they, they get two goal line chances, and he pulls, you know, Michelle and James Devlin, the fullback, gets the two two run rushes for the touchdown. The next year, the next week, everybody's a little afraid of playing Michelle because – what if Devlin is the guy, you know, getting the goal line touches again? And, of course, we know Michelle went off in the playoffs. But in that first week, I bet you there were a lot of fantasy owners that didn't play him because they were worried about Devlin getting those goal line touches. Yep, and, like, Belichick and uh, Melvin Gordon, like, it, shout out to Melvin Gordon. It's cool what he did, like, saying, uh, um, my apologies to all fantasy owners for uh, missing a couple of weeks, but – yeah, I think that Belichick, he he just wants to win, and he should only want to win. Like, uh, fantasy football is just it's for our enjoyment, but he's he has a job like making that uh, they win, and like with Brady's time like going down, also seems like he loves everyone named James, James White, James Devlin, like all these guys are getting <laughs> more touches. Well, you know, again, Devlin was just a way to throw the defenses off, and that's what he does. He he figures out ways that are going to throw the defense off, which means that it's very hard to get any kind of read on what he's going to do week to week. And he's always been that way. That's why Patriot backfield have always been at least three players deep and very, un, you know, trying to find which one outside of the one year where uh, uh, LeGarrette Blunt was going off for 18 touchdowns, trying to find a consistent running back in that system has always been a pain in the ass. Yeah. Like Belichick's always been looking for, that kind of that running back where he could just kind of forget about it and just have that running back be a rock to his team, which like that's another thing. How do you think Nick Ankyo Harry is going to do in uh, that like very run heavy offense? I think Nikhil Harry is going to do fine. I mean, they, they need somebody on the outside. He, he can do that for him. Um, he's a good, good receiver. Uh, has a lot of, you know, polished NFL characteristics already so it's not going to take him a lot he's supposedly you know very smart and uh puts in a lot of work so that should definitely endear him to both brady and belichick um you know it, it's going to be interesting it's not often that they invest that kind of draft capital in wide receivers so usually when the when they do you have to pay attention yeah that belichick always finds a way to make the right pick except ironically for the wide receiver position he hasn't been very good drafting those but hopefully and kill harry can be like the he, he could break that mold so how about we move on to dalvin cook who again like like uh Gurley, is very injury prone but his talent isn't in question averaging 4.6 yards per carry last year and starting 10 games 
and having like 615 yards. But how do you think that, um, like, uh, how, how, what do you think about Dalvin Cook? I have Dalvin Cook a lot lower than the consensus. I have him in, uh, I have him around 15, 16, or 17. Um, so yeah, I have him a lot lower. And I'm drafting Alexander Madison. I see him as more of a depth chart guy. But what do you think about him? I love Dalvin Cook. Um, I, I always have. I, I think this is a a kid who's a home run waiting to happen pretty much every time he touches the ball. Uh, the injuries are a concern, no doubt. How could they not after two short years? Um, you know, you got to be concerned with that. But uh, I'm not as down on him as you. I have him at number 11 right now. I think I have him at just over 1,100 rushing yards, uh, eight rushing TDs, uh, about, oh, I want to say, uh, trying to think off the top of my head, I think I have him somewhere around 400, a little over 400 yards receiving. Um, so, yeah, I, I like him. I think number 11 is good. Uh, of course, you know, you, you have to be a little hesitant because of the injuries. But, you know, same was said, if you, well, probably before your time, but back when Freddie Taylor was just starting to play, you know, first couple of seasons, he was hurt all the time. And everybody, you know, that's why they started calling him Fragile Freddie. And, you know, everybody in the fantasy community was just put off on him. Uh, from, you know, third, fourth year. And all of a sudden he started playing 16 game seasons and putting up monster numbers. And all of a sudden that fragile Freddie tag went away. Um, so, you know, sometimes that's just what it takes. It, you know, things happen, you know, injuries come uh, in in plays that have, you know, that the player had actually no, no way to stop. Um, so, you know, it's hard to give them that injury tag, you know, for those fluke injuries uh, so it's going to be interesting. I like the kids' talent. I like them a lot. Uh, in a, a run-heavy offense in Minnesota, I like them more. I like Madison just because he is in a place where if um, if Cook does get hurt again, he's going to get a good shot at getting that, you know, that main role. Um, so you have to like him for that reason alone. I don't think he's as good a running back in any way, shape, or form as Cook. Uh, but because of the injury history, he's definitely somebody you have to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, and take real late in the draft if you do, in fact, have Cook. You mentioned Cook's like lack of production in his first two years. He had under 1,000 yards, which like you could see guys like Zeke um, getting 2,000 yards a year. So, yeah, it's, that's definitely something to uh, be cautionary about. But do you think Alexander Madison's going to step into that Latavius Murray role, or do you think he's just like the handcuff? No, I think he'll get some work. Absolutely. I mean, again, you know, you after two years of injury with Cook, you, it's not like you want to trot him out there to where he's touching the ball 350 times a year. It does just doesn't make sense. He doesn't need the, that kind of volume to be productive. He has the skills to be a lot more productive on fewer touches, a la uh, an Alvin Kamara. I'm not saying he is that guy yet, but he has that kind of skill set where he doesn't have to touch the ball. 20 times a game to put up good fantasy numbers and good NFL numbers for that matter. So he's got that kind of talent, but if he does get hurt, Madison's going to, you know, probably move into that role. If Cook is on the field, then Madison is going to be scrambling for 10, 12 touches a game, probably even fewer than that. So let's move on to Leonard Fournette and Leonard Fournette last year, eight games started with and had 439 yards rushing, 185 receiving and six total touchdowns. So, what do you think about Fournette for uh, this time strictly redraft? I hate Fournette. He won't be as, on a single team of mine. I'm not a fan 
Um, it first of all, when when you have those soft tissue injuries, they just can seem to continue, continue, continue. Um, and you know, year after year after year, and this has been something he's been battling for a few years now. So you know, I, I just don't trust that. And then when you just add in the stupidity factor uh, that he seems to bring with him, uh, I I just I'm just not a big fan of his, and I, I'm just not buying into him at all. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I probably have him pretty pretty low on my my rankings. Uh, trying to trying to remember off my head, but I, I think I have somewhere in the mid twenties. Yeah, you mentioned that you had him as running back twenty six and. 26, yeah, uh, there you go. I'm not going to lie. I, I I completely disagree with this pick. Like, I, I, I don't love him as, like, a RB1 this year. And maybe I actually wrote a second round. I meant third round. But, uh, I meant, like, he's good for third round. Um, but I, I think that he's certainly a lot better than the running back 26 because when, when he was playing, he had – weeks in which uh he was like he, he he's had those bursts in which he's shown that he could be an rb1 and i think the offense is a bit improved uh, although like i don't i don't love nick Foles, but i think he's certainly better than bortles uh although he doesn't have that rushing ability and that rushing helps running backs but i think that the upgrade in the offensive line with them back and healthy and jawan taylor who many projected as one of the best offensive lineman in the draft, getting him in the second round after getting Josh Allen. I think that Jacksonville is going to be improved team. And I have Fortnite in, uh, I believe, around running back 16 or so, or running back 15 or so. So I, I like him a lot more than you do. I, I personally, like, I get that he does have that injury, and he definitely does have that stupidity factor. Like, Tom Coughlin's called him out numerous times, and he's gone suspended by a team and such. But I just think that his opportunity is so great. And you don't even have TJ Elden for some passing down work. I think he's pretty underrated as a pass catcher. He averaged almost three receptions per game last season. Um, and that's receptions, not targets. So I think that he does have some pass catching that's very underrated. And I like Leonard Fournette as, like, if if he was my running back too, I'd be pretty happy. I've never said he's not talented when he touches the ball when he's on the field. He is. He absolutely is. No doubt about it. And I'm not worried about his pass catching skills either. I think he's got all that. My con concern is really the injuries. And it's not just, you know, like with Cook, it's the last two years. With Fournette, he, he's been dealing with this for four or five years now, uh, going back to his college days. So th this isn't something new for him. And then, you know, you look at the end of last year, coming off the bench to fight, um, you know, during the game and uh, coming off the bench to fight in a game so he can punch a guy that has a football helmet on. Okay, that's intelligence, number one. So then he gets kicked out of the game. He, that Their team loses that game. He's suspended for the next game. Their team loses that game. If they would have won those, both of those games, they actually had a shot to make the playoffs. Yeah. He basically single-handedly took his team out of a shot to win to get into the playoffs for stupidity. And then this offseason, he got arrested again because he didn't pay a stupid speeding ticket that he had a couple of months to pay, and it was only a couple hundred dollars to pay it, and he doesn't pay it, so he gets arrested. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, um, like if you just take a look at some of his prior things, like, he does have – some history of that stupidity and 
um, with the Jacksonville contract situation, like it's been pretty well documented how Jacksonville has slid in. Uh, so they don't have to guarantee money to their rookies. Uh, it was exposed last year with, I believe, their newest rookie. But um, I, I think that Fournette doesn't have that long-term stability that he's looking for, and he definitely has some risk. I just think that uh, some people, like, I, I think running by 26 is way too low for him. That's just my opinion. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. That's, that's why we, we do this stuff. We all have our own opinions, and it would be quite boring if we all thought the same thing. <laughs> yep. And, like, l- looking back at uh, our last podcast when we had uh, Shane Manoa of uh, Dynasty Trades HQ on, uh, in our mock draft, he had an opportunity to take Fournette in the fourth round. And uh, he passed on him. So there's definitely a lot of people who feel the same way as you do. I just, I like Fortnite a bit more uh, than like running back 26. So how about we move on to Damian Williams and that whole Kansas City running back mess. So what do you think about Williams and who do you think is going to be the backup? Darwin Thompson, who they drafted, or Carlos Hyde? Oh, let's start with Damian Williams. I, I like Damian Williams. He has all the tools they need for a starting running back. Um, you know, he, he's not afraid to run inside. He can run outside. He's got pass catching ability. He blocks well. He does basically everything that they ask of him. Now, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, he's never done it before. And I get that. He's had a backup role his whole career, never really got a chance to do anything. But you know what? The, the, the fact remains that he was in, he's been in the league for five years in a backup journeyman type role, but he's still been in the league five years. There's not a lot of backup journeyman running backs that can say that. He's had, you know, signs of flashes before with his other teams that, you know, kept him going in this league. And then, you know, last year, by circumstance, with everything that happened with Hunt and where going down injury, uh, Shark Hendrick West having an injury. He finally got a chance to do it, and he did it. He's still only 27. Um, you know, he, he's still got a couple of years in him if they can do it. Now, he is at risk. There's no doubt about it because he's never been called on to do it before. But, you know, we're talking about a, a guy here who has basically fresh legs, um, not a lot to it that way. And, again, he just does a little bit of everything. Now, Carlos Hyde is also another – running back to me that, you know, right now is getting the shaft, uh, especially from fantasy owners, because, you know, everybody last year, you know, he played well for Cleveland in the beginning, uh, you know, not great, but he was holding his own in an offense that really wasn't doing squat to begin with uh, to start the season until they brought Baker in. Uh, and then, of course, they went with Chubb and traded him to Jacksonville, which don't even get me started on on why Jacksonville would bring him in. Uh, if they thought Fournette was going to be healthy, which they kept saying, oh, no, Fournette's going to be fully healthy, and they're bringing Hyde and never use him. So now fantasy owners are like, oh, well, Hyde must be done. He's washed. His, you know, he, he has no business being on the field. Well, that's absolutely wrong. There's nothing washed about him, and he has all of the skill sets to take over as the main back in Kansas City. I don't want him to, believe me. Um, I have him on a couple of dynasty leagues. That's true, but I, I like Damian Williams. I, I loved what I saw with him at the end of the season. Um, you know, he played exactly what they needed him to do, and he did it well. Um, he's not. He didn't shy away from any aspect of the game, uh, including blitz pickup, things like that. So I'd love to see him get his shot. But at the same time, if he falters at all, if he gets injured, 
then Carlos Hyde is instantly going to be that one who steps into that role. Um, I, I just, he's got so much talent and people are so down on him. I'm just not buying that at all. Uh, I, I like Carlos Hyde. I think he does a good job. I do, I, you know, I like Darwin Thompson. I think he, he has a lot to go for him. But there's some aspects of his game that still needs work, as with most of these rookie running backs this year. Um, you know, remember before the draft, everybody was saying, well, this, you know, the skill positions in this draft aren't the greatest, except for tight end. There's a lot of good tight ends. But outside of that, running back, wide receiver, you know, not not the greatest of years for those two positions. And, and they're right. Um, these guys that got drafted this year are really going to come down to opportunity. Do they get that opportunity? Carwin Thompson may get the opportunity if it, either Williams or Hyde goes down, but I don't think outside of that he really gets that opportunity this year. Yep, and I, I also like Damian Williams. I thought that his showing last year was extremely strong, so I think he he's definitely like I, I, I have him projected as a starter for the entire season, actually. I know a lot of people are high on Carlos Hyde, but I, I think that I like Damian Williams, and if I could find him in a third round pick, where um, like I often am finding him, I'm I'm going to pull the trigger there. I think that Andy Reid's running backs are always RB one, usually a top five. So um, I think that Damian Williams will be one of those underrated players in fantasy, just because there is some risk with him. Uh, where do you think he should be drafted? Uh, well, I, you know, I've seen him really starting to go in mid to late second round. Uh, earlier in earlier drafts, he was going in the third round, which I loved. Uh, I currently have him as my running back twelve, just right behind Dalvin Cook, as a matter of fact. Um, just because there's so many good, talented running backs, I think this year that pushes him down a little bit. But uh, I'm right there with you. I think his pass catching skills and abilities will, will push him right up that the, those numbers and get him into that RB1 talk. Yep. So due to time constraints, we're going to um, skip a couple of people like Ronald Jones, and we already talked about Darius guys. So I want to really talk about Penny versus Carson, Rashad Penny versus Chris Carson in the Seattle backfield. So how do you think uh, from both Dynasty and Redraft, like who do you value as like the greater value in drafts? Do you think Carson will like, uphold his starter role for the season or do you think penny will like take over mid-season yeah see this is a tough one because pen you know penny was a first down pick uh first round pick he, he you know had a lot coming in and people thought very highly of him but then he didn't come into the league correctly he wasn't ready uh he was a little out of shape uh he wasn't really putting the hard work in and and that kind of pushed him down and got him off to a bad start and he Never really quite recovered last year. Um, but I, I think what we're going to end up seeing this year is I, I think we're going to start to see a timeshare, a lot bigger timeshare this year between Carson and Penny. Um, you know, Pete Carroll has already come out and said that he wants to use these guys as a one-two punch. Um, you know, it, it's always hard. you got to temper what Pete Carroll says. But there is a, a, a grid of truth here in the fact that, you know, he has two good running backs that have, you know, different skill sets that could really make this team run. We've seen teams, you know, use that bull, uh, you know, on the early downs and goal line work and then use that scat back to do a little bit more. And I, I think we see that kind of role again this year. 
I think Penny, you know, from what we're hearing so far, has had a good offseason. He's coming to camp in good condition, uh, seems to be working harder, seems to realize that he does need to put the work in at this level to really be able to excel. So um, he's got the talent. He absolutely has the talent. If he starts putting the work and time into learning his craft, then I think he's going to be an excellent player going forward um, and and a good dynasty pick. In dynasty, I kind of like him a little bit more than Carson. Um, You know, Carson, you know, breaks down a little bit more, doesn't really offer the pass-catching skills that he does. Uh, and I think there's a good shot at some point that he could take over this job. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I like Penny better than Carson in Dynasty. But I also see Carson as a value in Dynasty because I think that Carson for this week, or uh, for this year, excuse me, is going to be the uh, the starting running back. And I think that Penny will still have value as a running back, even in redraft leagues, because there is that potential that he overtakes Carson. But the other thing is that last year, they didn't exclusively use Carson. They used Mike Davis and Penny, um, got them each like six to eight touches, and for Mike Davis, a bit more. So the fact that Mike Davis is now in Chicago means that Penny is going to have that. uh, He's still going to have value in redraft, and especially considering the fact that uh, Seattle is one of the most ru- rush heavy like teams in the league. I see Penny as um he I, I think he still has value, but I'm seeing him go going in like the sixth, seventh round, and I think that's way too high for Rashad Penny. And by the same token, I see Carson going in like the fifth round, and I think that's too low for him as well. Okay, so you think Carson is being drafted too late and Penny too early? Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, I think fifth for for Carson is about right because I do think they're going to use Penny more. Sixth for Penny is absolutely way too early. Uh, There's no doubt about it in my mind. I mean, you shouldn't be trying to grab Penny until, you know, ninth or tenth round. Uh, Anybody grabbing him well before that is just reaching for something that's just not going to be there. Yeah, I have Carson as a fourth round value. I have Penny as 11th. Uh, 10th, 11th round value. So I, I think that, like, for me, one, I'm more bullish on Carson, but two, I think that the community is too high on Penny, especially for this year. And yeah, I do have Penny at higher in Dynasty, but, I, but like, I, I'd see their values in redraft, and I, I'm questioning, like, uh, why the fancy community is so high on Penny. I'll tell you why, because the draft capital that Seattle used. I mean, that, that does carry some weight. First rounders carry weight. Uh, they don't want, you know, a couple of years from now, him being somebody that they don't want to keep in the fifth year, you know, as a fifth year option because he never really panned out. Always makes the team look bad. And, you know, in Seattle, they really take that to heart. They're, they're going to give him more touches this year just based on the fact that they want to see what he can do uh, in a bigger role. They need to see if he can indeed be that every down back if they need him to be. And I, I think we're going to start to see them try to figure that out this year because you don't want to go into the fourth year without having figured that out already. Yep. And all first round running backs, like n- there's never been a first, or they never planned to be a first round uh, backup running back. Like that just doesn't happen. People saying like the third or fourth round, even if they get drafted, they're often drafted to be a starter down the road. But like, I, I feel like Penny will get the starter 
spot, I think that he still will have redraft value, but I, I like him as next year as uh, their starter running back. I don't think he'll uh, break out this year. But by that same token, I know we're going to uh, skip Ronald Jones, but uh, just to touch on him really fast, Ronald Jones was also drafted to be the starter in the box offense, and I feel like people are judging him based on 30 touches at NFL. And although they were pretty bad touches, like uh, he was touched behind the line of scrimmage 75% of the time last year, which isn't conducive to like a successful environment. So what do you think about Ronald Jones? Will he be the stamp, uh, starter in Tampa? I think he will. Um, they're, they're talking him up in preseason so far. They say he's working harder. He's work, you know, working smarter. Um, you know, two of the things that were against him last year. And let's face it, Peyton Barber has had, you know, a couple of years of chances now of being that true number one and hasn't quite stepped up to that plate. Um, he hasn't really established himself as a true number one. So at this point, it's really all about Jones, you know, how hard he wants it, how much he wants it. Is he willing to put the work in, put the time in, really study his craft and get better at it uh, to be that starter? And I, I think he's got it in him. Uh, I think he's better better back than Peyton Barber when he's, you know, in shape and, and ready to play. And I do think that he, at some point this year he takes over that backfield. But, I, again, I, I have to preface that by saying I've never been a Peyton Bar Barber guy. I just think he, you know, gives you one decent game and then eight games of nothing. He reminds me a lot of Isaiah Crowell in that fact. And I think that – just based on draft capital alone, they're going to try to push um, Rod Jones into a starting role. And I think that he is better than Payne Barber because I don't like Payne Barber like you. And I like, you don't like Payne Barber. So I, I think he will get that spot. And by that token, I think he's being drafted very late. I'm seeing him go in the 11th round of drafts, which to me is crazy. I think that I have him as like, if I could snatch him in like the ninth round, I'd be happy with that. Um, even earlier, probably for me. He has been going a little bit earlier than that. I've seen him go as early as the late seventh. Oh, wow. I must be playing different drafts than you. Uh, but yeah, I've been seeing him go a decent amount later than that. So, how about we move on to Eric Ebron? Yep, our first tight end. So, how do you think? What do you think about Eric Ebron? Like, um, like about his regression and touchdown rate and who's the tight end to own uh, in like half PPR. But still for me, the, the one to own is Jack Doyle. Um, he still is. I mean, the injuries were definitely, you know, hurt his production last year. No doubt. Ebron had a massive year, finally broke out, um, you know, 13 touchdowns. You can't sneeze at it. No doubt. He, even when Doyle was on the field, we saw that Ebron was the guy in the red zone and, and he's going to keep that role. So he's still got a chance to score a, a, quite a few touchdowns, but his reception total is going to be down. Uh, when the two of them were on the field, Doyle was on the field twice as often, had twice as many targets, uh, twice, twice as many receptions, basically. I'm rounding these numbers out, but basically most of them were two to one when they were on the field together. Uh, Doyle is still the mainstay there. I think he's going to be the, the more used tight end and i love the fact that people are drafting ebron be, before doyle because it makes doyle very valuable um and you know a ebron a reach in my mind um I, I like ebron don't get me wrong in this offense 
you know, he definitely has value with, with luck there. Anybody has value. Any piece of that puzzle can really come and give you good pieces. But, you know, they, they do – they brought in a couple of big wide receivers to complement T.Y. Hilton. So that's going to hurt the tight ends a little bit more. Uh, both of the, the new wide receivers have that red zone ability. Um, so that that's going to hurt Ebron a little bit more as well. And if Doyle stays healthy, and I, I'm looking for Doyle to have another – you know, 65, 70 reception a year. And that's definitely going to hurt Ebron. And to build on that, like, he had 8.5 targets per touchdown, which is, like, there's got to be regression coming. Like, if there's ever been a point of regression, it is for Eric Ebron. And with Devin Funches and Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell being average depth was set, set, uh, 4.6 yards last year at Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins. So he is a short-range target. And Funches is that red zone option. So I feel like Ebron's touchdowns will come down by the pure nature of regression and by uh, their other weapons. So I, I like Doyle as a uh, possession-wise wider, uh, like, tight end. And definitely in PPR, half PPR, I still have Ebron ahead in non-PPR just because I think he still will be uh, that touchdown threat. But, yeah. I I don't I, play, I, non, I don't play non-PPR. Oh, yeah. I, I don't play uh, non too much either. It's just like I, I do rankings for all of them. Just wh whoever plays non-PPR, I just give them something. I hear you. I'm just saying I don't like non-PPR. To me, that's boring. <laughs> yeah. <Just my> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did one non-PPR league last year. And it, 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 first of all, I don't know about the people in the league like is a lot of disinterested, so that that was one thing. So like I I had uh, just to like go off tangent on that. Like I I had so many me and the people in the t in the championship. Like we probably had better teams than like if you establish an all star team of like almost every team in the league. It was it was that insane. Like we had all the top running backs, all the top wide receivers. I picked up Joe Mixon, Stephon Diggs, and um and like. Uh, Tariq Cohen, all from waivers, and like I, I see that as insane. So, um, yeah, I just think that non PPR isn't a great format. Although it's still ESPN standard, they gotta shift that. Also, any of y'all playing on ESPN? There's so many better platforms like my my fantasy league, like Sleeper, like all, all obviously like some of these are also Dynasty, but I I think that there's just a lot better options than ESPN. So. Yeah, so how about we I move play, on? I, I, yeah, I don't ahead. play on ESPN, Yahoo, NFL.com. I don't play on any of them. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing, though, is NFL.com, uh, they updated their, um, like, for once, like, could, the entire fantasy community has been uh, calling them out for it in the past, like, four years, but uh, they finally updated their interface, so it looks decent, but I think they just lost way too many people uh, in that time where they did nothing. So how about we move on to the 49ers running back situation because this is something I have absolutely no clue. Like, I've tried to rank them, uh, like, so much. I, I see McKinnon as the number one, Breed as the number two, but uh, I'm, I'm not very certain on them. So what do you think about that entire running back situation? Who do you want as a starter and, like, where to draft them? Stay away. Stay away. Stay far, far away. Um. But it, right now, it's looking more and more like Coleman is going to be the starter guy just because both McKinnon and Brita are still fighting injuries, still fighting to get back from that. 
um, at at this point. Whereas Coleman is on the field, making you know, getting playing time. Um, he ha- we know he has the history with Kyle Shanahan, the coach. Uh, they worked together in Atlanta, and is when Coleman had his best seasons. I, I you know, I think Mc- McKinnon is every bit as good, uh, if not maybe even a little better than Coleman. And they did pay him a lot of money to come in last year and be that that you know. I think everybody was thinking every down back, but I, that just didn't make sense for him. He's not a guy who could be in every down back. He's not built for that. He's built for that, you know, Tariq Cohen role where he's going to get, you know, eight to 10 touches a game, most of them passes, and he could just do a lot of different things with him. But he's got to get back from that torn ACL, be 100%. I, I think what's and ultimately going to happen, because Preda played very well for them last year when he was healthy. Again, another guy who battled injuries all year, but most of the time he played through those injuries. Um, so, you know, you got to like that toughness. I think what we're going to end up seeing here is, you know, it, it's going to be, you know, one week it'll be this guy, one week it'll be that guy, and we're just going to see hot hands all year long. Whoever's really starting to get going is going to be the guy that everybody wants. So, uh, you know, for me right now, I'm not really finding myself taking a lot of chances on him unless I can you know, find one of them that'll drop until, you know, the ninth, 10th round. And then I'll take a chance on them just because I do think if they can get Garoppolo back and healthy and get a couple of these wide receivers to step up, um, you know, especially, well, we know Pat has played very well for them last year. They need somebody else to really step up. Um, and we'll see what happens with that. But they need that to make this go. But if that does happen, then this offense is going to put up some points. They're, you know, they're definitely going to throw to the backs a lot. It's just something that uh, Kyle Shanahan loves to do. So you want a piece of it, but it, it's just hard to invest a lot. Uh, a lot of people are really buying into Coleman a lot earlier than I could, and I just think they're they're not going to get the value uh, out of him where the where he's being drafted right now. Yeah, I see it as a more talented Eagles backfield last year because you had Wendell Saul, Corey Clement, you had uh, Josh Josh Adams. So all of these guys were getting work when also when you had JJ, like uh, but especially after JJ's injury, like you had all these guys being the starter. So a couple of weeks it was Wendell Smallwood, then it became Josh Josh Adams, and then it went to Corey Clement. So you don't really know who's going to be that. Uh, starting guy but this I just feel like is a very talented version of that in which Tevin Coleman although he kind of disappointed last year in uh like how he looked he still had that production and he has like a lot of hype surrounding him from previously Jared McKinnon like everyone thought he was like a second rounder last year before the injury and like Brita played so well even Raheem Mostert came in and played well uh so I just see it as a three-man backfield and not knowing who really to draft. So, yeah, I, I like the stay-away policy unless I get a very good value. Yeah, I can't uh, argue with that. I absolutely agree. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so let's do a quick um, uh, front of the show thing real quick. So be sure to check out the Nelson Mandela uh, Ghostly Podcastings. Uh, the former president of South Africa – brings a podcast from beyond the grave and it's available on apple podcast teacher and Podbean. it's actually a really good podcast the host does a super good job in like imitations and audio and all that and yeah we've been working together on a lot of stuff so that's just something interesting to check out so now let's get on to rookies and uh due to time let's just do a couple maybe one or two 
uh, fascinating rookies you want to discuss, and we could go from there. Uh, you know, I like the tight end group in this class. I, I mean, there's a lot of talented tight ends coming into this class. Um, you know, most of the running backs, wide receivers, really dependent on where they landed. Um, with tight ends, you know, these are good, talented tight ends, and I think the talent's going to outshine where they landed. I mean, uh, TJ Hawkinson, to me, is, is you know, the number one tight end coming in in this class. I, I just think he's NFL-ready right now in all aspects of his game. Uh, I'm not saying he's Gronk, but he brings that Gronk-like mentality to the game, uh, and I'd love to see him be able to live up to that. I am a little worried that he got drafted by Detroit, and you know the fact that they really haven't been tight end friendly uh, for a while now, but they haven't had a tight end as talented as Hawkinson. I mean, everybody points to Ebron, and Ebron was the most talented tight end they they brought in, but you know you look back to his first year and all the drops he had and things along that line. He just didn't really progress that quickly. So, you know, he got that that bust tag. And, of course, he had the monster year last year in Indy. Much better offense, no doubt about it. Um, Detroit, not that good in offense. Hopefully they get, you know, some players back healthy this year. Um, and I just think his talent is going to shine through. They did draft, you know, him with the eighth overall pick. So that's a lot of draft capital. So they want to, they're going to want to get him involved right away. Um, of course, Noah Fant in, in Denver is another one that everybody loves. And uh, I, I can't fault that. He's going to be a, an absolute mismatch for defenses when he's on the field. But the fact that he's not a big blocker is going to hurt him a little bit, going to take him off the field at times. Um, Jay Sternberger in Green Bay has a, a great opportunity, especially in Dynasty. Uh, of course, he's going to be fighting with Jimmy Graham this year. So not a ton of you know upside this year unless Jimmy Graham gets hurt. But for Dynasty, I love him. Um, and, and, I mean, you can go down the list with tight ends. There's just a lot of good, talented kids here. Josh Oliver going to Jacksonville. Irv Smith going to Minnesota. Although if they sign – uh, Rudolph to a long, a long contract again, another contract that's really going to hurt Irv Smith because they don't use Rudolph enough. Uh, I think Rudolph's a very talented tight end. They haven't been using him enough. So that's really going to hurt Irv Smith uh, for dynasty. Dawson Knox in Buffalo is another guy who has a really good shot to become a, a good talented tight end. Kehale Warren in, in Houston is another one. Uh, so there's a lot of good talented young tight ends here that, you know, last year we saw the, the thing, I mean, you had the three big ones, then you had Ebron, you had Jared Cook finally step up and have a massive year. But outside of that, it was so hard. It was, you know, a lot of people like to stream tight ends, but last year it wasn't working uh, because most of these tight ends were so hit and miss, it was very hard to stream them. I think with this new influx of all these good young tight ends, the tight end position is definitely in for a shift over the next few years and is going to become a very strong position to where it's going to be a fight to get into the top 12. Yeah, and I see this rookie class as very good for tight ends. I I personally believe that I like Fant better than Hawkinson based on landing spot. I think that um, uh, Flacco utilizes his tight ends like no other quarterback in the league. And I like the Denver offense a bit more than Lions offense, uh, seeing what they did to Ebron and their other tight ends. And the fact that, I think that his blocking what will take him off uh, of the field on certain possessions. I feel like the possessions he's on the field, we know that he won't be like blocking all that much. So he'll be running uh, routes during that time and 
uh, hopefully getting some reception. So I like Fant a bit more, but I, I can see but why yeah, people I, like Hunt. Let me, let me throw a little bit of smoke there. First of all, we don't know how long Flacco's going to even keep the job. Let's face facts. Um, you know, he's an older guy. They, of course, brought in a couple of rookies with Drew Locke and, and Brett Ripien. Uh, in, in the draft, they still got the veteran Kevin Hogan behind it, but I, I'm not worried about Kevin Hogan. He's, he's a, you know, backup quarterback for life. That's all he's ever going to be. But they did bring in Drew Locke. Uh, so if Flacco falters at all, then I could see them going to Drew Locke. And the one thing that we do know about most young quarterbacks is it takes them a while to work to that tight end. It's not something that comes naturally to a lot of quarterbacks unless they played in the system in college that used to tight end a lot, but there's not a lot of them. <laughs> um, so Drew Locke, you know, he's going to have to work into that role. And that's what, you know, scares me a little bit about Fant. The other thing that scares me about Fant is they like Jake Butt in this system. Um, this team likes him. He got injured last year, couldn't really get it done, but they've been ranting and raving about him uh, already with just the stuff he's been able to do in OTAs. Um, he's still not fully 100% back from the injury, but he's on the field. He's working out. He looks like he's running well. Uh, he's being able to make cuts in and out, uh, and they like him. So I, I, I know how good Fant is, and I do believe Fant may be better than Butt, but I think Butt is going to be good enough that we're going to see him on the field at times as well. So, again, I, I don't see that in Detroit. It's going to be Hawkinson or Bust, whereas Fant is going to have to worry about Jake Butt taking some work. Um, heck, he might even have to work, work, worry about Jeff Howerman taking a little bit away from it as well. Not a lot, but just enough to be a bit of a pain in the neck for fantasy owners. So I, I think that um, I don't see Jake Butt or uh, Jeff Howerman as a, as a problem because just the pure draft capital with Fan and the fact that I think right away, um, like it's the norm that rookie tight ends don't have massive impacts, but I think that Fant will be able to make an impact pretty soon into the league. And I I think that Drew Locke, while they may push him in, I think that uh, they're going to try to hold on to Flacco for as long as their fans allow them to, since I think that um, Locke is a couple of years away from uh, like being an NFL-ready quarterback. And I think that even with Drew Locke, like it, it remains to be seen how much he targets the tight end. But I, I like Fant as a, uh, like a purely pass catching tight end. So yeah, that that's just why I like uh, Fant a bit better. I also like Sternberger and Cahill Warring because of their offenses and like uh, on the Texan offense, I don't even know who their tight end is. So. Uh, like other than him, so I, I I like those two as well. I also do like Hawkinson. Like I just like Fant more, a bit more. Well, it's okay. It's okay to be wrong once in a while. No worries. <laughs> yeah, I, it remains to be seen. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll talk hey, on that know, I, after a bit. <laughs> I, I thought I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, we'll check in on this <laughs> midway through the season, see how that goes. Yeah, I, I do agree that Hawkinson will have, like, like there's no competition for him. I just think I, I like Fant a bit better. Um, That's fine. Yeah, that, 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 you're not the only one. There are – I'd say more people like Hawkinson. I just I, – I like Fant a bit more. But, yeah, uh, we agree to disagree. It's really a guessing game for all of us. 
Yep. And all rookie tight ends, like you can never really be sure how their impact is felt um like right away and like in a long time. I, I like both of their talents. I like Hawkinson a bit more as a talent wise, but I just like fan in the offense. So all I, kept time, just, all I kept saying just before the draft was that the uh, the Patriots had the draft capital. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they moved back up into the first for both of them and tried to get both of those guys this year. Imagine what they would have done in that offense. Oh, man. Get, get it. Oh, even getting one of them. Like, if, if they got one, then that – he he would instantly even in first season he would be a top ten tight end, and I don't think there's like much risk there at all. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, 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 it's it's you know tight end is going to be a lot tougher this year. You got Hunter Henry coming back. Um, you know OJ Howard. You know if he could stay healthy, should be good in that Tampa Bay offense. Hopefully, Njoku takes that next step and you know, gets his hands right and gets that focus right. He's a good tight end, talented tight end. He just got has to learn to keep his focus. Too many times he's trying to run before he actually catches the ball. Hopefully he turns that around this year. Yep. So uh, due to time constraints, I think that's all the time we have. So, Jim, what projects are you working on, and would you like to tell us a bit about them? Oh, we got all kinds of projects going on. Of course, uh, just recently I took over running the FFChamps.com website, so we got a lot of stuff going on there, uh, trying to put new content content every day and all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, we're bringing back the WTF Fantasy Football Podcast with Tony Cicada, Brian Drake, and I. Starts this coming Wednesday. We're starting a new one called FF Champs After Dark with Andy Singletary, Frank Scandura, and I. Uh, that's going to be Friday nights at 10 o'clock. Um, we're putting together a new podcast network over at Full-Time Fantasy. Uh, we're bringing in a bunch of different podcasts, and uh, we're going to put it together as a network so we can put it out there and try to grow all of our shows together. Um, the FNTSY network is going to be bringing back the Fantasy Football Frenzy show, Come, I believe, starting on June 3rd. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. That's a Monday and Friday show. I think this year it's going to be from 3 to 4 p.m. Um, and then outside of that, they can always your people can always fo- find me on Twitter at FantasyTaz. Uh, I'm there almost all the time. <laughs> That's it for this podcast, guys. Thank you all for listening. And if you like this podcast, please check us out and uh, rate and leave a review. We just crossed 10 and made um the charts on canada Grapen, and venezuela so that's pretty cool for being a newer podcast so yeah uh that's it for this podcast guys thank you bye-bye